Side Hustle Show 323. This is the Financial Independence Fast Track. How to replace your salary by buying mini businesses. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because when income from assets you control exceeds your monthly expenses, that's when you're free. That was one of the big eye-opening lessons for me as an impressionable youth reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad and actually playing his cash flow board game as well. It's a call to build or buy income-producing assets and to keep your expenses low. And of course, there are lots of different paths to that ultimate goal of escaping the rat race, building your business, investing in real estate, even traditional stock market investing can get you there. But today on the show, I want to focus on a specific asset class that might have one of the fastest returns. I'm joined by Stacy Caprio from Her.CEO, who was desperate, in her words, to leave her day job. And she ended up doing just that after acquiring and improving a portfolio of mini online businesses, websites that make money from advertising, in her case, that now earn a few thousand dollars a month. For her, that was enough to leave her job. Now, this asset class can be risky, and we'll get into some of Stacy's early mistakes, but if you have some online skills or management skills to bring people in if you don't want to run it yourself, this can be a fast track to the cash flow you need to fund your lifestyle, perhaps 10 to 15 times faster than if you were to rely solely on traditional investments and a standard 4% withdrawal rate. That's exciting, but there's some risk that goes into it. So stick around to hear where Stacy finds these businesses to buy, her unique filtering criteria, and a few quick ways she's been able to accelerate the cash flow of her portfolio for even better returns. Notes and links from this episode, plus a free PDF highlight reel with all of Stacy's top tips from the call are at sidehustlenation.com slash Stacey. That's S-T-A-C-Y. And I'll warn you, she's a little soft-spoken, but I promise she delivers the goods in this episode. Now, if you're a freelancer, consultant, or service provider, you know that delivering the goods is only part of the battle. After that, you need a reliable and professional way to get paid. And for that, I want to invite you to join me and the 24 million other people who are using our sponsor, FreshBooks, to simplify their invoicing, bookkeeping, and accounting. The award-winning software is simple, intuitive. I've been a customer for years. Side Hustle Show listeners can join me. Try it out for free for 30 days. No catch, no credit card required. Visit freshbooks.com slash side hustle and enter the Side Hustle Show in the How Did You Hear About Us section to get started today. Stacy got the idea that buying websites could be her ticket to freedom, reading sites like Side Hustle Nation and Niche Pursuits by Spencer Hawes, and she decided to jump in. Her first purchase didn't go as planned, though. She bought a site on flippa.com, F-L-I-P-P-A, for $1,300, expecting it to make, as the seller said it did, $350 a month, chipping away at those monthly expenses, right? Well, it turns out the seller was lying. Discouraged, but not defeated, she was determined to learn from that experience and try again. I'll be back with my top takeaways from this call with Stacy after the interview. Ready? Let's do it. I was a little bit discouraged more with myself for not doing the due diligence. And I think every time you make a website purchase of this nature, you learn so much. I recommend really starting small, but letting each thing you learn just come with you and you'll be able to start making really good purchases after you've made a few smaller purchases. And once you know what to look for, you'll be able to build on that. But 
my second site was actually a mistake too. I didn't start making good decisions until my third site. (laughs) So my second site, I had learned a lot. So I only looked at sites with verified revenue again and verified analytics. So I wasn't going to let anyone scam me or lie to me about that part of the business. And I actually spent a lot more. I spent $10,000 on this site and it was making, I think it was making around $500 a month. So it was about a 20 times multiple and I knew everything was legit, but I made the mistake of purchasing a fad site. So it was based on an app. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Word Whistle Answers app. That was an app that was popular a few years ago, but applications are only popular for about six months or so. And then they just, their traffic just dives down. So I was actually able to double the revenue by switching to a different ad network that I knew had higher revenue for that niche. Started making a thousand a month for like two or three months and I was really happy. Okay. You're like, hey, this is working out well. Okay. Yeah. I was like, hey, look at me. I learned quickly, (laughs) but I guess not because it turned out that the site was based on an application whose popularity dived after I'd had the site six months. I think I ended up making back maybe 6K on the site. I really did end up losing about 4K or so on it. So I guess the next lesson I learned is yeah, not to buy the fad sites. Yeah, so we're kind of building this criteria through experience, revenue verified analytics around an evergreen topic. So you're not going to be subject to this fad spike in search traffic and then it dies off. Anything else that you filter by or that you look for on Flippa? Yeah, I'll take you through the filter process I use when I'm looking for sites to buy. First, I filter by expired listings. So I'm viewing old sites that are listed for sale that never sold the first time. Live bidding drives prices up way past what you should be paying. And then I also filter by sites that make revenue through AdSense. Since I know how to quickly increase revenue by AdSense, by switching networks, by testing ad placement, and then by doing some quick SEO optimizations, including quickly optimizing for site speed. Okay, okay. So saying, just like real estate, I'm going to take this fixer-upper and apply my skills and knowledge to it and make my money back a little bit faster. Exactly. And so once I find a site that has both of those filters and is making maybe $500 or above a month in AdSense, then I'll contact the owner through Flippa and I'll ask them to add me to the Google Analytics. Once they reply and add me to the analytics, I have some Google Analytics checks that I do to determine the site quality and just to determine that the site is actually what it says it is. First, I'll just check that the verified page views and traffic numbers match the Flippa numbers. Next, I expand the Google Analytics to the beginning of the site's existence, and then I look for huge traffic drops or warning signs. And if there's anything that stands out, I'll ask the owner about it. Sometimes there's a good explanation, such as the host went down that day, or they stopped buying paid traffic, or they recovered from a penalty. And then I look at some basic demographic information, look at what country the traffic is from, and ideally... You want it to be from the U.S. because advertisers pay the most per page view for that. English-speaking countries are okay too, but if the traffic is all from India, you you might want to do a double take 
because that usually it's either not high quality traffic or advertisers aren't willing to pay as much. Then I usually just quickly check the language the traffic is speaking, which if it was mostly from the U.S., it's likely English. Google Analytics will tell you what language the visitors are speaking. Well, assuming the assuming the website is written in English, you'd think it would be English, but yeah, I've actually I've never had that be contradictory. It's a language in the country, but I always kind of check. Then I like to check the acquisition report to see where the traffic is from, and this is probably the most important check. So you want to make sure the majority of the traffic is organic. And if it's social, that's also okay, but you just have to make sure the social thing is included in the sale. And social traffic is a lot more variable. I actually made a bid on a Pinterest-based site once, but they wouldn't be my first choice, especially if the traffic is from Instagram or Facebook. The algorithms with those sites change so much and they restrict traffic a lot, so I wouldn't recommend it. But if it's all paid traffic or paid social or paid anything, I would not recommend buying the site at all. Unless that's your bread and butter skill set is driving cheap paid clicks. could be a tough, <laughs> tough nut to crack for somebody else's business. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes. T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With the expired listings, that's an interesting strategy. Have you found that these site owners are more open to negotiation because they're like, hey, I listed it for seven days, 30 days, however long the original auction was, and nobody bought it, but I still want to unload it? 
Yeah, I think that's a huge plus about searching for the expired listings because these were people that wanted to sell their site, but then they didn't find anyone who actually wanted to buy it. I think that's one reason I've been able to buy all the sites I've bought at 20 times valuation or less because the two successful sites that I ended up buying after my first two mistake sites (laughs) were I bought the first one for a 20 times valuation and then I doubled the revenue right away. So I made it back in 10 months. And then the second one I bought at a 10 times valuation and I just made it back in 12 months, which was last month. Wow. That's a really quick return on investment, especially compared with traditional investing or even real estate investing. We're like, oh, I'm looking at a 14% cash on cash and that would be great right now. But after that first year, everything is gravy. So that's pretty cool. Are you niche agnostic when you're looking for these sites? Like here's a site about dog walking or here's a site about, well, maybe not the app development or that one specific app. But I'm curious, outside of all this criteria, are there specific areas of content that you really like or that you won't touch? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I only touch things that I personally understand and can wrap my head around. I think that's really important. So I would never buy a site that gives people software to do something, for example, because I don't code software or personally understand that. I look at something and if I know how to do it and understand it, then I'll consider purchasing it, even if it's an industry that most people would just say, oh, that's not interesting enough or that's not something that I'm interested. I don't care if I'm interested in it. I just care if I understand it and can create content around it or just understand why people are coming there and understand the actual content. So that that's important to me. Okay. Is there a sticker price on these sites? Like, hey, the asking price is $10,000 for this thing that's making 500 bucks a month. And you can open negotiations from there. I assume Flippa has a messaging system built in. Or is it all more opaque? This is how much it's making. Make your offer. The site owner can put a buy now price on a listing. And if you think that the buy now price is worth it, and they can set that at whatever multiple they want. And if you think that price is worth it, then you can just click buy now, put your credit card in, and start the purchase agreement. I've never actually done that. I do the expired listings and I message the person and then I kind of message them with an offer around 20 times and I make a note of telling them, hey, 20 times the monthly profit valuation is the going rate. Would you be interested in this offer? And then they usually will either do a counter or they'll say, yes, that sounds good to me. And then you can kind of negotiate or just kind of do it. And then then they will set the buy now price to what you negotiated. And then you just click buy now and complete the purchase. If you go the normal route, then there will be a minimum price and then people will keep increasing bids until the auction ends. But you can also, even if you're in a live auction, you can always click buy now and pay the auctioneer's buy now price. So that's always an option if you really want a site. Okay. Okay. What is that transfer process look like after you after you say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make this deal. It checks all the boxes for me. 
and I'm going to go for it. It's not too bad, but it's a little complex. So if you're the person buying the site, you'll start the transfer of your funds into escrow. You can choose how you want to pay. If you pay by credit card, there is around a few percent fee. If you buy a site that's $10,000 or more, you end up paying $300 or $400 in credit card escrow fees. So I wouldn't recommend that unless you really don't trust the process because you know credit cards are so forgiving. And if there's a mistake, they can issue you a refund and everything. But I would recommend you can do, I usually do the wire transfer option. I bought a few of the smaller sites. I did do the credit card option. But yeah, you can do wire transfer or credit card and there's no fee for the wire transfer. Once your money's in escrow, the person will start the transfer to you. Basically, they'll just transfer you the domain name and you'll likely have to pay for that. If you use the same domain registrar that they use, it's a simple process and you just click accept, transfer the site files to you. Usually they'll just upload that in a zip file and... I'm not a developer, so I hire someone to take those zip files and put it into my host for me. I like the host hot host for big accounts, the semi-dedicated VPN. And then I also like a small orange for smaller accounts. I mean, neither are perfect, but they're pretty good. So then I just hire someone to put the files in the host. And then you just configure the domain to be pointing to your host, and then that's the whole process. Okay. You ever had any hiccups during that process? No, I haven't had any hiccups because I have a really good developer who moves it all over. Yeah, you don't want to risk traffic going down or messing up your rankings or anything like that. That's kind of critical to have a no downtime transfer. Yeah, so basically they'll still have all the site data in their host, and the domain name will be pointing at their host and then you point it to your host. But say you have an issue and you point it to your host and it doesn't work, you could hypothetically just point the domain back to their host and everything would still work because they have all the content and data set up in their host still. So technically, once you point it to your host, it's yours and you own it, but you might want to ask them to delete the files on their host because technically they still have the entire website and all the data. They could even set up the exact same site with a different domain name. So you'd want to make sure they don't do that. <laughs> okay, okay. And then for the for the money part of it, the AdSense part of it, is that as simple as installing a different code snippet? How does that work to get that from his AdSense account or her AdSense account to yours? It's very simple. All you have to do is switch out that every person has a unique AdSense publisher ID number and you can keep their exact ads and just switch out your publisher ID number code. Or if you want, you can just create an entire new ad code from your account and then put it in the same places that they've put it. Or you can put it in more places or different places as well. And that's kind of your... Strategy, that's kind of your game, is saying, how can I optimize the ad revenue? How can I monetize a little bit better than the previous owner to improve the cash flow, make my money back a little bit quicker? There are a few just quick things I do to kind of double the revenue in a very short amount of time. I'll check the site speed. 
using tools.pingdom.com. Site speed is a very big ranking factor, especially on mobile. So when you speed up a site right away, your mobile rankings can really shoot up, which is great. A lot of the times, if it's a really slow loading site, I'll put it on Cloudflare, which is a free CDN, which is a content delivery network. It has a large computer network around the world, and it serves your sites from different locations. So we're closest to where the user is viewing your site, so it really speeds it up. So often I'll do that if the site has a speed issue, and then I'll also take a look at images and maybe use an image compression plugin, which you can get on WordPress to kind of decrease image size and speed up the site. But that's actually smaller compared to which ad network you're using. If you're using the AdSense ad network, I would recommend testing a few different ad networks. I like Monumetric and I also like AdThrive. And then I have some relationships with ad providers. You should try testing one or two different ad networks for about two to three weeks and see if they make more than AdSense. And that can be a huge just initial boost. As you're shopping these sites, you're like, oh, baby, it's super slow, or look at, look at these images, they're not even compressed. I know I, can, <laughs> I know I can do better than that. Is that something that's going through your head early in the process, or does that just come into play after the transfer is complete? So site speed, big images, I don't really look at until after, although I suppose you could look at it before. I do look at the ads. So say they have tons of ads on their page and it's super spammy, I would more of stay away from that because I can't really increase the ad revenue through ad placement there. But I mean, I'd still look at it. Changing ad networks has a bigger effect, I think, than simply improving site speed. Unless the site is incredibly slow, then you could do a lot with site speed. Like if it's taking more than 10 seconds to load or so, then you can site speed's going to give you a lot of leverage. But yeah, ad network is huge and then ad placement is huge. So those are the two things when I'm looking at this, I'm, oh yes, I know how to improve you right away. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And we should point out there are tons of resources on how to do that on Authority Hacker, Niche Pursuits, a bunch of sites in that vein. You ever played around with Ezoic for optimization? Yeah, I do like Ezoic. It's great to test which ad placements are good for your site. I used it a little bit in the beginning, but now I kind of know the best ad placements and just use my experience. But I think it's great, especially for people who have never tested ad placement before. So I would definitely recommend it. Okay. So it sounds like you had some background in online marketing and and the rest of it being self-taught. Any other skills you think were critical to this business that you brought to the table? I think that anyone could probably learn how to do this. You don't necessarily need the background in online marketing that I have, although I think it definitely helped. I think that my SEO skills are actually a huge part of my success here, especially for sites not just in the first few weeks doubling the revenue, but really long-term being able to do keyword research. It's huge knowing how to write engaging content for the site and just doing that consistently I think are two skills that if you have SEO skills, you're in a really good position to help your site grow long-term. Yeah, absolutely. Any recommendations for places to 
learn that stuff? Or is that something you learned on the job or just trial and error? Interestingly, I actually learned it all online through reading blogs and things because my job was specifically running paid ads and paid traffic. My favorite all-time SEO resource is Brian Dean of Backlinko. If you read all his content and listen to all his YouTube videos, I think you're in a really good place for SEO. Famously, he only has like 35 posts or something, but each one is a book. So you'll definitely learn a lot by reading Brian's stuff. You touched on another point, and that was the content creation side of it. Like, So now this is yours. A website is a living, breathing thing, and it rarely is 100% passive. You're going to add content to it. Are you doing that writing yourself? Are you farming out to ghostwriters or freelance writers? How does that piece of the pie work for you these days? Yeah, a lot of people will outsource all of their writing and all of their content, but I've actually found that when you outsource it, the content really decreases in quality and it becomes a lot less engaging. And interestingly enough, those are both ranking factors that Google uses. Google puts a lot of emphasis on time on site, number of page views, and how engaged people are. So aside from the cost, doing it yourself is a lot cheaper. I think it really increases the quality of your site if you're able to do it yourself. Yeah, I actually do all my content myself. Maybe at some point I would consider outsourcing, but right now I've just found it to be a lot more effective to do it yourself. Okay. What's that look like in terms of the time that you're spending on it? I like to write about two posts a day sometimes and just spread it across my sites. That's pretty much my goal. If I'm in a really content push mode, I've done up to five posts a day, but I found that to be a little bit too intensive for every single day. And there's four sites in the portfolio right now? Yeah, I have four or five main sites. Okay. I just imagine as this mini hedge fund continues to grow, three to four or five, that seems manageable. But if you had like 10, 15 and trying to, okay, this post goes here, like all of a sudden that sounds a little bit more challenging. But that probably leads me to the next question. Is that the goal to continue building this portfolio? Or is it like, I'm going to just work on optimizing the the properties that I have? I've actually been really lucky with the properties I have right now. And they have so much potential where I can still just build them out and scale their revenue at the same time. I think once I hit the max, because every niche does have a max kind of number of keywords, we are going to have covered pretty much everything that has any volume. So once I hit that, which maybe it'll be six months or a year, so I might look at acquiring more sites. And if I start acquiring more than I can write for, then I would definitely consider outsourcing the writing and just editing it myself or trying to make it more engaging. Well, I know you have some freelance writers listening to this who are probably going to reach out to you. So that's an opportunity for sure. So optimizing the existing stuff first, then expanding a little bit later. Knowing what you know, would you ever consider just building your own site from scratch? Or you kind of like this model of, look, I want something that's already got traffic, that's already got rankings, that's already cash flowing? Yes, you're reading my mind here because <laughs> I actually started out buying the businesses because they were already successful. And it was my way to kind of be able to build on something that 
I already knew was making a profit because sometimes it can be really hard to start something from scratch. And I have found a lot of success from this model of buying a successful website or business and then kind of improving it. But recently, I've actually registered three brand new domain names. This was like six months ago. And I've been kind of building their authority and giving them some articles. And I'm going to focus on building them from scratch. Because once you know a really good niche and once you really know how to build a website's authority and create engaging content for it, there isn't as much of a reason to purchase a site because you can build it up just as good yourself. But I think when you're starting out and when I was starting out, I needed to buy something that was already working because I just didn't have the knowledge to do it myself. But now that I have so much more experience, I've started creating my own sites and I've already seen some success with this. And I think that they're going to end up being even more successful than ones that I've purchased. Okay. You mentioned the site's authority. And once you know how to build that up, it's relatively straightforward. What do you see as the biggest factors in either building that authority or improving the authority for an existing site? To build or improve a site's authority, you'll need to get links to your site. So there are several ways to do that. Brian Dean actually has some really, really good articles on ways to get links to your site. I'll quickly just kind of summarize my favorite methods that he's kind of taught. But one of his most famous methods that I really recommend is doing some keyword research and finding something that you want to rank for and then looking at the existing articles for that keyword and then seeing what they're missing and what you could add to an article that they don't already have and then create the best article ever on that topic that includes absolutely everything, just like all of his huge ultimate SEO guides. (laughs) Once you do that, it's much easier for it to rank because it'll be the most authoritative article and people will stay on your site reading it. And then you can also get links to it more easily. You can use a tool such as BuzzSumo to see who's already linked to the existing articles and then do outreach to them to get them to link to you. And then also you should attract natural links if it's really the best topic. So I'd recommend having at least a few skyscraper articles on each site that you have because You really want your sites to be high quality, and that's the best way to attract links. I also recommend using the service Harrow, Help a Reporter Out, where reporters will post queries that they need help with. And if you have expertise in that area, you can send them your advice, and they'll often link back to you in exchange for it. If you have original images on your site, you can do reverse Google image search. And if people used your images on their site, you can do like a copyright notice to them and say, hey, that's totally fine that you're using my image. But if you do continue to use it, I'd like you to put this link as credit. So that's pretty effective too. But yeah, definitely look at Brian Dean link building and he has hundreds of really good techniques. Oh my gosh, this reverse image search thing. I don't think I've ever heard of that one. Not that I have much of my own original photography, but pretty cool, especially if yeah, you have a photo background or something. Okay, that's kind of cool. We should mention that you do have another site that maybe you consider part of the portfolio or not. Her.ceo is Stacy's home base online. That's an incredible three-letter domain or six-letter domain for one. But what's going on over there? 
this is one of my newer sites and I was really happy to be able to get the domain her.co because it's so short and catchy. So if you do buy your own domains, make sure to do really short ones because to me they sound more professional and they're harder to get, I suppose, as well. But that site, I'm actually starting to interview some people who have successful side hustles or make some amount of profit each month from doing something online or even offline. And if you're interested in that, definitely send me an email, stacycaprio at gmail.com, or let me know. And I'd love to just talk more about that. It would just be like a quick email interview. So you wouldn't even have to talk to me or anything. And we could post that on the site. And of course, you'd get a link back to your site as well. So that's an opportunity. And there you go. There's another way to build those links. Her.CEO, Stacy. again, thank you so much for joining me and enlightening me on this very cool business, this very cool portfolio that you're building that has allowed you to quit the job and become a full-time online entrepreneur. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. Focus on profit and cash flow. Never spend more than you're making because that's not a sustainable way to build a business. And even if it starts out more slowly, I think you'll be more satisfied and have a healthier business in the long run if you can keep it cash flow positive. Absolutely. That is the name of the game. Stacey, once again, thank you for joining me and we'll catch up with you soon. Focus on profit and cash flow. Those are the lifeblood of your business. Without them, you're in trouble. The good news is there's a virtual stethoscope that can help you manage and keep an eye on both. And that's our sponsor, FreshBooks.com. FreshBooks is the award-winning cloud-based invoicing and accounting software designed specifically for small business owners, freelancers, and side hustlers like us. This is the service I rely on when I need to invoice clients or advertisers, and it's guaranteed to keep you way more organized than that proverbial shoebox filled with receipts. Now's the perfect time to get your financial systems in order on both the revenue and expense side of the business. FreshBooks has some cool tools built in for both of those, profit and cash flow, right? And the best part is Side Hustle Show listeners can try FreshBooks free for 30 days. No catch, no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash side hustle and enter the Side Hustle Show in the How Did You Hear About Us section to get started today. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. All right, my top three takeaways from this call with Stacey. Number one is to have some criteria in mind. I thought Stacey's filtering criteria was really helpful to sort through 
the hundreds and hundreds of listings on Flippa. Now, even if you don't use her exact system, I'd recommend having some boxes to check that would be a good fit for you. In Stacy's case, she wanted to work with AdSense sites in a specific price range because she was confident she could quickly improve the earnings, meaning for her, the sites were undervalued. It's the Warren Buffett value investing approach, right? It's been a long time since I did any serious shopping on Flippa, but I think one thing that bogged me down before was not having any filter aside from price. Like, here's my maximum budget that I'm comfortable putting at risk. I don't know, but this side hustle really hasn't been high on my radar for a while, but this conversation has re-energized me to maybe take another look, especially if I could have a team to help me manage the, the site or sites. That's takeaway number one. Have some filtering criteria in mind. Takeaway number two is to do your due diligence. Of course, there's always going to be some element of risk, but I don't want you to get burned. Stacy mentioned all the things she does to vet a site, including diving into the analytics and looking for red flags, which I thought was awesome, but I'd also try and figure out why the seller wants to get rid of it, the breadth of pages and keywords it ranks for. If the site has an unnatural link profile, like the last website I bought, which was in 2014, got nuked from the search results just a few months after I bought it when Google did an algorithm update. And the reason was it relied too heavily on PBN, a private blog network links. And I never had the chance to recoup my initial investment. Now I knew that going in and decided to take the risk anyways, but obviously in hindsight, not a smart move. So do your due diligence, figure out what level of risk you're comfortable with. And like Stacy said, probably best to start small instead of betting the farm on one big purchase. I like her strategy of replacing her income from a few different sources. Even if it's harder to manage, it's a way to spread the risk around. So that's takeaway number two, do your due diligence. Takeaway number three is active first, passive second. So the dream of owning an online business is that it can be hands-off, that elusive passive income, right? In the case of businesses like these, I think a more accurate name might be time-leveraged income. It's 100% true. The sites can generate traffic and ad clicks while you're asleep. That's passive and that's awesome. But there's always going to be some maintenance tasks to work on, content to add or update, and marketing to do to keep the sites ranking in Google or to grow the income from them. I mean, I'd be curious to catch up with Stacey in a couple years because it sounds like she's very much in the active stage right now, writing her own content, doing a lot of link building, putting in the work, almost like she bought herself a job, but just one that she likes instead of one that she dreaded going to. And I think doing that work is important. It makes the roles easier for her to hire for down the road because she knows what she's looking for. She knows how to do that task. So this isn't a passive income asset class, but it is a way to leverage your time and the existing capital resources that you have into something that can grow beyond hours for dollars. Active first, passive second. Once again, notes and links from this episode along with the free PDF highlight reel with all of Stacy's top tips from the call, including her Flippa filtering criteria are at sidehustlenation.com slash Stacey. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen and I'll catch you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.
Can you say hustle on? Hustle on.